Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung, opportunity to participate in the worship of giving. And now as we come to this time where we will open your word and we ask that you will reveal yourself to us as we continue down this or as we begin this new series, we ask that you will just reveal who our neighbor really is in our lives. So we thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are in a brand new series. There is a, there was a thing that started, I, I remembered in the 70s um, when I was very young back in the 70s um, called the Neighborhood Watch. And the whole purpose behind the Neighborhood Watch was that everybody look out for one another. That was just the whole purpose of it. And they started having meetings and they would come together and they would do this neighborhood watch. Well, like anything else, it got a little political, got a little cliquish after a while. But the, the intent behind it was that just like most communities, a true community Everybody looks out for one another. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about the neighborhood watch. I want to talk about how we can or how we assess who our neighbors really are. Because uh, some of us have limited our neighbors to only those that live next door to us on the left and on the right and maybe across the street if they've been nice to us and maybe brought us something to eat or something but anyway uh when we first moved in but the point that i want to talk about throughout these next couple of weeks is going to be who your neighbor is and how we should be interacting with our neighbor my goal is to only keep us here for a few minutes but we all it's always good to have a goal so when you make adjustments, you don't feel bad about. So from the creation of humankind, God's whole desire was to establish a precedence for the dignity and value of all people. It is found in humanity's unique connection to God. Humankind's value and dignity is not based upon ability, age, or perceived value, but rather given to each person by God. And so we're going to be in Genesis, the book of beginnings, starting at the first chapter, 30, uh, 24th verse. And before we get into that, I just want to let you know that this is called Neighborhood Watch, this series. And the subtitle for the day is called From the Start. From the Start. Our definitions for today. First definition is neighborhood. A neighborhood is the area or region around or near some place or thing. It's the vicinity, the nearness, the proximity. It's okay, we got neighborhood. What is a watch? Watch is close, continuous observation for the purpose of seeing or discovering something. Um, every time I even when I wrote down that definition, I kept thinking about there are some people 
that know everything that is going on in the neighborhood. They know every neighbor. They're always watching what's going on. Um, and some of them do it just, you know, just because they, they, like, they like people. And some people like to do it just so they can have something to talk about. But the fact is, there are folks that already have this mindset to watch. And the third definition is start. Start is a beginning of an action, a journey, so on and so forth. So we have neighborhood, watch, and start as our definitions for today. Genesis, the first chapter, starting at that 24th verse, it goes like this. English Standard Version. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27 says it like this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 28 says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth everything that has the breath of life I have given every green plant for food and it was so and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and morning the sixth day Genesis the second chapter starting at that fourth verse same English Standard Version says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Verse number seven. Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. From the very beginning, God's intention, God's purpose was for us to be unified and to understand that we're all one on this planet. But the first question I have for you today is a very simple question. What would you say you are worth? What would you say you are worth? What would you say you are worth? And some people may look at their bank accounts and think of their annual income or their assets. But no, more than that, what is the worth of your life? How valuable do you think you are? Let me ask that again. 
How valuable do you think you are? Not comparing it to anything else, but think about yourself and how valuable do you think you are? If we were to take that survey to discover, we would find that after a person hears another person say theirs, they would probably increase theirs. Billion dollars, a trillion dollars, quintillion dollars, all the money ever produced. We always, when we talk about value, we always try to put a price tag on it. But when we're talking about your value, we're not just talking about monetarily, we're talking about how you feel about yourself. I knew no amens whatsoever today, but that's all right. Because society has caused us to think that we are nothing more than a higher form of evolutionary animal life. And so during this time, we're going to talk about not just what society thinks, but we're going to talk about what God thinks about you and what God thinks about your worth and how valuable you are to the creator of the universe. And if we look at this, we see how the Bible says how God said and it became. God said and it became. God said and it became. And he kept saying it and it became. But when it came to man, the Bible says that he formed man out of the dust of the earth. Now that word form means to uh, form or to fashion. This is just like how a potter would sit down and begin to take a lump of clay and begin to form it into a vase. And depending on how good the potter is, they would call it a vase. Y'all catch that later too. So when we look at this, we realize that when God made man, he did it with precision. He did it with detail. He did it with delicacy. He had a masterpiece that he was creating with his hands. Everything else, he just said it and it came. But the man, he decided to form him, to put his own effort into it. Not just make it a word, but make it a form that he would create. And so, what does this mean? What, what does this mean for us as humankind, as man? What does this mean? So think about this. We look up in the sky at night, if you're allowed to be outside at the dark. And you see that there's stars in the sky. And you see the moon. And you see all these things in the sky. And it's amazing how a lot of people don't realize it, but that the light that you see today actually started traveling to the earth many, many years ago because those stars are so far away, but they are so bright that they're able to travel that distance. And if you've ever tried to count stars on a clear day, have you ever noticed once you start counting, more stars appear? 
You may not, y'all might not be nerds like me. That's, that's the kind of stuff I used to do. They say you couldn't count the stars, so I, put, I went for the challenge. And then I got frustrated because there's so, just so many of them. I'd be counting in one spot, and then it looked like some more would just show up just because I was counting them. But the same type of thing, that that is a wonderful, magnificent thing. The stars in the sky, the moon. Especially here down in South Carolina, sometimes the moon looks like it's just above a couple of houses. If you drive down there, it'll be right there. It's so nice and big and just looks so beautiful. And because of this, the stars and the moon and, 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 and just the night sky looks so awe-inspiring. It, it looks so motivating. It just looks so beautiful. And God said, yep, I made them. I just spoke them into existence. And he could have easily just spoke man into existence, but he instead decided to form us, to take time to put us together, to create us in such a way that we're different than anything else on the earth. Now, Genesis 2 and 19 says that God also formed animals out of the ground. And I think that's how society says that we have similarities to the animals. But however, God did another great action on mankind that he didn't perform on any other creation. And that's when he breathed the breath of life into man. So God not only crafted, carefully handcrafted human beings, but he went a step fur, fur, uh, further and personally directed uh, energy from himself into man with his own breath. So what does that tell us? It tells us that although we can marvel at the stars and we can marvel at the moon, we can marvel at all these things, that God casually created by just saying, be, and it became. And so often we just think so nonchalantly, apathetically about other people, but God took time to create man, and he was precise in his creation of man. So perhaps maybe we are marveling at the wrong objects. Instead of getting wrapped around the moons and the stars, maybe we should marvel at the figure that we see in the mirror. The figure that we see walking up and down the streets that we should realize that they were fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God. When we change our perception of what is really valuable and realize that human life is valuable, I think we will change how we treat people around us. And so as we look, continue to look at this, we see how in Genesis 1.26, they use some great words to describe God's creation of mankind. It says that God says, I'm going to make men and man in my image and likeness. 
There are some that believe that these words are totally different and ought to be separated in its ex uh, explanation. But one of the commentaries suggests, along with the support of other theologians, that the two words can basically be synonymous when used together like this. They are terms that mean a production of, a physical manifestation of, or a recognized representation of something. So when God said we're going to make man in our image and our likeness, he was saying that we are going to produce a physical manifestation of who we are to walk on this earth. Now think about this. I have two, personally have two children. And when we look at pictures, in fact, what, what just came to my mind, I have a picture of myself when I was really, 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 really young. And I had a picture of my son and we showed it to um, Yolanda's grandmother, the picture of me, and Yolanda's grandmother got upset with us because she was like, how come I don't have a picture of the baby? Which was my son. And we were like, Grandma, that's, that's a picture of me. And she's like, no, that's a picture of the baby. And so, Yolanda got me in trouble. I'm just making, making stuff up now. Yeah. Yolanda got me in trouble because I didn't. And the reason we, we had to explain to her, the reason we know that that wasn't a picture of my son is because my picture was in black and white. And then I was not in, no longer in trouble. But we have pictures. We have likenesses. When we are born, born of someone, we pick up some of their features. We pick up some of their personalities. We pick up something about them that causes a relationship between the family. I remember uh, my sister-in-law telling this story that my wife and her other sister, they were all meeting together and a guy met the one sister and he was like, oh wow, three of the same person. <laughs> because we pick up characteristics, we pick up eyes, we pick up nose, we pick up ears, we pick up something. And there's an there's a, there's a old saying, they used to say this a lot, you a spitting image, not a splitting image, but a spitting image of that person. And so what do people mean when they say that? What are they, they're not saying that you're that person because that would be silly. What they are saying is there are some deep similarities in appearance. There's some deep similarities in mannerism or attitude. This is the same idea and concept. That when the Bible says that when, uh, for instance, when the Bible says that Seth, which was the third son that is mentioned of Adam and Eve, it says that it was after Adam's image and likeness. What does it mean? It, it means the same thing that it meant today. That we look like and often act like those that we are related to. We are not God. 
but we are representations of that creation. We are representations, so we should be reflecting God in all that we say and do. Now, there are some people, you know, that get into the weeds on this, and they, and they have this debate over whether we're dichotomous or trichotomous people. In other words, are we three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit, or two-part beings, just body and soul? While we just, if, if y'all wanted me to, I could talk about it today, but then y'all would walk out on me, talk, do the visible finger on me, because it would take a long time to, to do that. But we're not going to talk about it today, but we can surely agree that we are at least made of two things. One body, which is material, and soul and or spirit, which is immaterial. Then this is how we are like God. Consider our material part. Our physical part. The point is not that humankind physically looks like God. Rather, it's the resemblance and emphasis is on how we relate to the physical world. God was able to re, uh, uh, relate to the physical world by declaring it into being. We relate to the physical world by our senses. And so he made us physical beings so that we could do what God does which is physically demonstrate love, compassion, and care for one another. So we are much like God in our physical being as we can be. Our physical beings are important to God. The Bible brings out this mindset that we are actually God's hands on the earth, God's feet on the earth. We are God's voice in the earth because of our physicality. Those things that are spirit operate in the spirit. Those things that are in the flesh operate in the flesh. And we have come to this point now where we have began to so, so much focus on, our society focuses so much on the physical that the church swung the pendulum the other way and said we're going to just focus on the spiritual and it's causing this great, vast divide when there should be some synchronicity where they should be operating together, understanding that we are a body that has a spirit and we are operating together. Because if we do not help folks to understand both parts, we can cause some issues. And the other part of that is that we have to realize that society has said that, you know, your body is your body, and, but God created our bodies. We are God's creation. And if we would actually use our bodies in order to serve God, we would bring immense joy and satisfaction. I, I have heard Many people, I've read of people who was, you know, they said they were looking, they, they felt that they were missing something on the inside. And they would try all these other things, but once they accepted Christ in their life, they felt fulfilled and complete. Because I believe that whether you are a dichotomous or trichotomous mentality person, that whether your soul or your spirit, there is something that brings us back to God in the bottom line of everything. 
And so as we look at the, the physical part of that, we realize that we are the hands, we are the feet, we are everything that operates in the world for God's glory. Now, let's look at the other side. This also is, uh, affects us immaterially. The fact that you are made in God's image is what separates you from his other creations. You can think, you can reason, and communicate through spoken and written word. You are creative, and you can fellowship. And we should develop ourselves mentally and creatively and leave out all the excuses not to engage in being productive and growing our minds. Maybe I need to say that again. You can think, you can reason, and you can communicate through spoken and written words. You are creative and you can fellowship and we should develop ourselves mentally and creatively, leaving out our frequent excuses not to engage in the productiveness and growing of our minds. I think I'm going to do it one more time. You can think, reason, and communicate mm -hmm. through spoken and written words. You are creative, and you can fellowship. Now, we should develop ourselves mentally and creatively, leaving out our frequent excuses not to engage in the productiveness and growth of our mind. The end goal in doing this is not for the glory of human beings, but for the glory of the omniscient God who created us. We do this because God has not given us limitations. Our creativity can take us to places like, uh, what's that show, baby? Uh, Star Trek, boldly go where no man has gone before. That is the creativity that God has birthed within each and every one of us. Now, one of the things that I like to tell folks is, do you know the difference between a reason and an excuse? Now, you're probably calculating right now. Let me help you. Nothing. There's no difference between a reason or an excuse. You either do or you don't. You can have a reason for not doing it. You can have an excuse for not doing it. The fact is, you ain't do it. But what we have to do is look at a situation and figure out how we're going to make it happen. So, evaluate yourself, improve yourself, respect yourself, not just physically and mentally, but spiritually. The image of God may have been corrupted by the fall, but it was not destroyed. We should constantly be working to be more conformed to the image of his son and to be an example to help other folks get there as well. This is just the foundation to this series. This is a very short series, but this is, and this is just the foundation because if we understand how valuable we are, how important we are to God, what God has done in creating us, then when we look at others, we will hold them to the same level of value that we hold ourselves. Well, let me retract that just a little bit. We should do that. Because when we hold other people to that, we treat them differently. 
We're doing a Bible study talking about missions, and one of the things we talked about was why is it or what causes us not to go and serve others? And we talked about, you know, they, what kind of folks we wouldn't want to help. And we talked about homeless. We talked about uh, ethnicity. We talked about race. We talked about all these different things. But again, those are reasons or excuses. God says that we should be showing love to everyone that we encounter, and yet we still have reasons or excuses that prevent us from fulfilling all that God has for us. A little extra note, I hadn't wrote this down, but it just came to my mind. If you are not taking time to improve yourself, you are not growing. If you are not growing, that means you're stagnant. If you are stagnant, that actually means that you are in a state of, what do I want to say? How about decay? Does that work? That means that you are not growing, that you are actually not progressing, but guess what? You don't sit still. If you have ever been around some water that has been stagnant over time. You see that it turns a color. You see that it has an odor. You see that it begins to become repulsive because there is not a flow going through it. So I want to encourage you. You may be saying to yourself right now, I don't like to read. Guess what? We in a new technology. You ain't even got to read. They got this thing called podcasts. They got this thing called Audible, where all you do is the thing, the computer will read a book for you. I mean, there's all kind of ways that you can improve yourself. So if you want to become all that God has called for you to be, you have to do the things to challenge your creativity, to challenge your imagination, to push you to a place where you can become all that God has called for you to be. So for the next couple of weeks, again, we're going to be talking about Neighborhood Watch. And this first uh, episode has been called From the Beginning. Now, if you have not taken time to really evaluate yourself, I don't, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter of what excuse or reason that you're using right now, but I want to tell you this, is that God loves you so much that he had you to tune in to us today so that you could hear this, that no one is better than you, that God has created you for a purpose, and he has created all of us for a purpose on this earth. And for us to really lock into that purpose, we need to look at the instruction manual. Anything that you purchase, anything that you purchase, comes with directions on how that thing is supposed to function. Now, nobody can actually make that instruction manual except for the person that created the item. Because they know the intention that they had in creating that item. For instance, a person that makes a, a fan that you use to cool off your room would never tell you that you could put that on the back end of a boat and use it to propel your boat across the water. 
Why? Because that was not the intention of it. Although it has a propeller, that is not the function of the fan. The function of the fan is to circulate air in the room to cause heating or cooling whatever time of the year it is. So we have to understand that there's instructions for everything created. There's instructions for us as humans, as being created by God, and it is found in the Word of God. Now, a certain, certain section of that Word of God I want to uh, uh, cause your attention to is in Romans, the 10th chapter, starting at that 9th verse. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. That word saved is an indication of you being rescued or delivered. Rescued or delivered from what? Rescued or delivered from the penalty of sin. Sin is missing the mark that God has established. And the only way that we can hit that mark is by having Christ in our life because he has paid the price for our sin. It is simple as this. If someone told you that you no longer had to pay your house note because it has been paid off, Would you continue to send the mortgage company that money for a mortgage? Now, everybody's up here saying, I would not. Well, Jesus has already paid the penalty or the price for you to be in right standing with God. All you have to do is accept it. And you don't have to keep running around talking about, I owe God. Because you don't, because it's already been paid for. If you accept what's been done for you, you're in good standing. Simply said in Romans uh, the 10th chapter and the 9th verse. Then on a couple more scriptures down, around about the 16th verse, it says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the same rescued or delivered uh, situation. So God's desire is for you to be walking in the perfectness of what he has for you so that you can walk in everything that he has for you. Now, if you had not had the opportunity to make that decision before, I would just want to encourage you to make that decision today. And in making that decision, we are available to assist you, to help you to move along this new path. If you're in the local area, by all means, come and visit with us. If you're not, email us at info at godshousecc.com. We'll provide you with additional information to help you along this path to help you become established, to help you fulfill the full totality of what God has purposed for you on this earth and celebrate with you about having Christ in your life. Again, that's info at godshousecc.com. Well, friends and family, that's it for this week. We're in a new, episode, a new series called Neighborhood Watch, this first episode from the beginning. From the start, I'm sorry, I say it from the beginning, but from the start, God has established us to be one people, one kind, and that we should all value one another as creations of God. Well, until next week, God's blessings be upon you. In Jesus' name.